You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Tonight I'd like to continue uh, where we left off. We're going to jump into Acts 5, and I want you to see that as the early church is taking form and as the early church is growing and God is blessing, we see God gives us a story. God gives us a look into a church service. As a matter of fact, it it appears that it's a special offering time. I don't know if they were having preaching. I don't know how much singing they were having. I don't know if the prayer meeting was before or after. I imagine they were having a potluck at some point, right? Because, you know, most churches do that. But we see that God gives us a glimpse into a church service. But it's very unusual because the glimpse that God gives us into that church service is not a happy occasion. It's not a joyful occasion. It's a very serious occasion. And it's a very sobering occasion that God shows us what happens when people, believers, Christians, play games with God. This morning we saw what church ought to be. Tonight I'd like to share with you for a few moments on the seriousness of the church, on the importance of the church The Bible says in Acts 5, verse 1, But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, they sold a possession. Remember this morning, we saw how that everybody was selling land and selling property and selling houses, and they were bringing the money and laying it down at the feet of the apostles. This was not an offering for the apostles. This was an offering for the Lord. And they're giving everything and they're, they're coming. And there was Barnabas who, who did the same thing. And the, the uh, parenthetical uh, spot there about Barnabas was he was a, an encourager and he was a, an exhorter and he was a blessing there in the church. But now we see Ananias and Sapphira. And the Bible says that they sold a possession. The Bible says later on in this passage that they sold a piece of land. In verse 2 it says they kept back part of the price his wife also being privy to it. And they brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, by the way, is there anything wrong with selling property? Let's let's keep this real basic. Anything wrong with selling property? No, not at all. Is there anything wrong with selling property and giving part of that purchase price to God and keeping part of it for yourself? Is there anything wrong with that? Not at all. As a matter of fact, the truth is, the Bible says the tithe, the 10%, that belongs to God. But you have the choice with the rest of the 90%. You can do whatever you want to with it. Now, I think you ought to give more than a tithe. That may sound really fanatical. You say, oh, man, this is, you're kidding me. I think 10% is a lot. Well, maybe so, but I just believe if God gives us 100%, I believe giving God 10% is kind of the minimum. You know, I think that's just the basics. And uh, besides all that, when you give to God, it's amazing how he blesses. It's amazing how he gives you so much more than you could ever imagine. But it, it wasn't wrong for them to sell a piece of property. 
It wasn't wrong for them to hold back apart and give part to the Lord's work. But here's what happened. The Bible says his wife also being privy, they were, they were in on this together. They had, uh, they had planned this. And they brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But, verse 3, Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? When we get to uh, the part of Sapphira, we see here was the lie. Ananias brought that money and he laid it down at the church. He put it in the offering and he said, this is the entire amount as if to impress people, as if to show everybody how amazing he was because he and his wife, they sold a piece of property and they're giving it all to the Lord. Well, that wasn't true. They were giving a part of it. The Bible says that Peter questioned Ananias and he said, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land whilst it remained? Was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. Do you get the idea that this is serious business? Ananias, hearing these words, he fell down and gave up the ghost. Say, what does that mean? That's fancy terminology for saying he was dead. God killed him on the spot. Not because he gave some money to the church and kept some money for himself. Oh, no, that wasn't the issue. The issue was that he lied to the Holy Ghost. Notice verse 5, in great fear, came on all them that heard these things. That word fear is not only uh, a fear and a dread, but also a reverence and a respect fell upon that place. They realized, oh my, God's not playing games. God's not messing around. And can I say on I love my church Sunday, I love this church, I'm thankful for the church, but I don't ever want to play games with God. I don't ever want as a pastor just to go through the motions. I certainly don't want to as a pastor uh, try to portray to be one thing and actually be something else. I certainly don't want our church to, to think that as long as we can look good on the outside, that it doesn't matter what's going on on the inside. Can I tell you that God wants our whole heart? God demands honesty. God demands that we are right with Him and that our worship and that our giving and our service is right. It says in verse number six, they, the young men arose and wound him up and carried him out and buried him. I'll tell you this, I've been to some funerals that turned into church services where people were rejoicing about heaven and people were glorifying the Lord. But I've never been to a church service that turned into a funeral. And that's exactly what happened here. On the spot, he died. They picked him up. They carried him out and they buried him. And verse number seven, it was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, not knowing what had happened to him, she came in and Peter answered unto her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, how is it that 
ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord. That word tempt is the word test. Peter said, what are you doing trying to test God? What are you doing trying to push God to the limit? What are you doing trying to lie to God and see how much you can get away with? Do you not know that God knows everything? God knows your heart. He knows your thoughts. Notice it goes on to say, Verse number nine, behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door and they shall carry thee out. Then fell she down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost and the young men came in and found her dead and carrying her forth, they buried her by her husband. Verse 11, and great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. Lord, would you speak to us in these few moments that we're together? I pray that we would not miss the seriousness of the church. Lord, I believe with all my heart that the church, the local assembly of believers, I believe it's the most important institution in the world. I believe that it is the institution, it is the organization that has greater importance than any government. I believe it has greater importance than any business. I believe it's more important than any bank or any financial institution. I believe that the church of the living God is the one, uh, uh, one place where lives can be changed and souls can be saved and eternity can be impacted. And God, I pray that you'd help us to never take for granted what we have in this church. I pray we'd be a church that is right, a church that is holy, a church that is pure, and a church with a sincere desire to serve you and to please you until you come back. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. couple thoughts quickly. Number one, as we're looking by way of introduction, I want to remind you that Ananias and Sapphira, I believe they were good people. You see, we just read Acts 4 about great uh, uh, power and great grace was upon them and they were giving and they were serving and, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken and Ananias and Sapphira, I think they were probably a part of that prayer meeting. If they weren't a part of that prayer meeting, they heard about it and they knew exactly what was going on and they said, we want to be a part of this. These were good people. I believe they were saved people. I believe without a doubt that these were people that were involved in the ministry. Again, I'm not talking about uh, some heathen person that comes in and gets up and, and curses God and, and lives like the devil and somebody that's going out living like the world and they come and they try to make a mockery. Oh, no. These were people that were attempting to serve God and attempting to do what was right. They were giving. As you see, they sold a, a piece of property and they gave. I don't know what the percentage was, but they gave some of that money. Can I remind you that God is more interested in your heart than the amount of money you put in an offering plate? So, Pastor, I don't know if I've ever heard a preacher say that before. Well, let me say it again. Do you know God is more interested in your heart than how much money you put in an offering plate? Say, why is that? Because if God has your heart, he'll have your checkbook. If God has your heart, well, you, the giving will follow that. But if God doesn't have your heart, then all you're doing is you're trying to impress God. All you're doing is trying to go through the motions. You see, they were saved people. 
They were involved people. They had seen and experienced God working in the church. I believe they wanted to be a part of what God was doing. Get, let me give you this, this quickly. Number one, they had a possession. We already said there's nothing wrong with having things. There's nothing wrong with selling things. There's nothing wrong with keeping back money from something that you sold. May I remind you, however, this evening that I think we ought to be willing to give up anything that God asked for. Remember the story of Abraham and Isaac? Remember how that God wanted to see if Abraham would be willing to give his only son, Isaac, and Abraham passed the test? I believe that Ananias and Sapphira, they saw that others were selling land and giving to the Lord, and, and they decided to do the same thing. Maybe it was peer pressure. Maybe they were just trying to keep up with the next group. Maybe they were just trying to, uh, to, to get some applause or get some recognition. I don't know what the reason was, but I want to remind you this evening, don't do what you do for the Lord just so somebody's going to see it. If you're, if you're trying to serve the Lord and trying to impress people, you're not serving the Lord. And I'm not serving the Lord. And as a matter of fact, we've lost our reward if what we do is for the recognition of people. They sold a possession. They sold some land. Number one, they had a possession. Number two, I want you to notice the price. They received a price. The Bible doesn't say how much they got. Let's say, we'll just throw this out there. Let's say they sold a piece of land and let's say they got $10,000 for a piece of land. Maybe it was prime real estate there and uh, they got that money. They got that $10,000 and they could have said, you know what? thousand of this belongs to God. That's the tithe. We're going to give that. And they could have gone in and given that money. Everything would have been fine. They could have said, we're going to give half of it. They could have said, we're going to give 9,000. We're going to give 90%. Of it. They could have given whatever they wanted. But here's the problem. The problem is that they went into that church service. And they put that money down and they said, Peter, we just sold some property and we want to give all the money to the Lord. The problem, number three, was the pretense. The problem is that they lied about the amount for which they sold the land. Maybe they said, you know, hey, we got $10,000 out of it, but if we said that, if we, said that we sold it for 7000 people would believe that. That'd be a realistic number. And nobody's ever going to know. And so we'll just come and we'll lay $7,000 down. We'll keep $3,000 for us, but we'll get the credit and we'll get the respect of people because we'll tell them that we are giving the entire amount. They agreed together. They discussed this ahead of time. This was a plan. This was premeditated. This was a coordinated effort. They didn't think that God would know. They didn't think that God would care. They didn't think that God would do anything about it. Boy, were they wrong. The pretense. They lied to God. Number four, the problem. They did not take the things of God seriously. They tempted the Spirit of the Lord. They lied to the Holy Ghost. Peter made it clear they were not sinning against Peter and they were not sinning against the apostles. They were not sinning against the church members. They were sinning against God. The Bible tells us that the love of money is the root of all evil. 
I don't know if that was the problem. I don't know if they got that amount. Let's say again, I don't know the amount, but let's say it was 10,000. I don't know if they saw that $10,000 and thought, man, we need some of this. We could use some of this. Boy, we could get some nice things. with." Some. And I don't know if it was the love of money that got them, but can I tell you, the love of money has ruined a lot of people that used to serve God and used to love God. Uh, let me just put a little commercial in here tonight and just remind you that having a lot of money is not the guarantee that you're going to have a happy life. As a matter of fact, having a lot of money may be the worst thing that ever happens to you. It may be the thing that gets your eyes off of God. It may be the thing that destroys your family. It may be the thing that makes you think you don't need church and you don't need God and you don't need prayer. Uh, what about Judas? You think the love of money hurt Judas? You better believe it so much so that he would betray Jesus Christ because of that money. What about Gehazi? He was the servant of Elisha. And after Elisha had healed Naaman and he had dipped in that Jordan River and he was healed and Naaman tried to offer Elisha all these garments and all this uh, treasure. And Eli Elisha said, no, thank you. I don't need it. I don't want it. And Gehazi got to thinking, Whew, we just passed up a lot of good stuff. And Gehazi ran after and he said to Naaman, he said, hey, on second thought, maybe we'll take some of that stuff. We could use some of those garments and we could use some of that. And so Naaman said, here you go. Gehazi was loaded up with all those riches and he comes back and Elisha says to Gehazi, his servant, a good man, a man that had seen God work and a man that had seen a God do miraculous things. He had just seen Naaman healed of his leprosy. Elisha said that leprosy that was on Naaman, Gehazi is now going to be on you because you went after that money and because that money was more important to you than the things of God. Watch out. Be careful. I don't know what it was for Ananias and Sapphira, but I'll tell you this, the love of money is still the root of all evil. You better watch out. It's not money that's bad, but it's the love of money. It's not bad to have money, but it's bad if money has you. It's bad if money is the only thing that gets you up and money is the only thing that motivates you. We see the problem. They didn't think that God was going to do anything. They tried to fool the Holy Spirit. We talked about it this morning, but we need a filling of the Holy Spirit. We don't need a fooling of the Holy Spirit. We need a filling of the Holy Spirit. We need to have a reverence and a respect and a, and, and a proper fear of a holy God. You see, this was the start of the early church. The church was growing and God was blessing and people were giving and people were being saved, but something happened. God had to remind His people that, yes, the church is going to be a happy place, Yes, the church is going to be a happening place and there's going to be a lot of great things that take place, but the church is also supposed to be a holy place. We serve a holy God. The angels in heaven around the throne are crying out day and night, holy, holy, holy. If you're saved here tonight, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. We have a copy of the Holy Bible. This is the Holy Word of God. And God wants His people to be holy. Maybe that's why Peter, 
who was there and saw Ananias and Sapphira struck down because of their sin. Maybe that's why Peter recorded in 1 Peter chapter 1, as it is written, Be ye holy as I am holy, saith the Lord. Verse 11, the result, great fear came upon all the church. It is my prayer that we will have great fear and great reverence for the things of God without having to see Ananias and Sapphira. It is my prayer that we will see a church that would be reminded tonight of the seriousness of the Word of God. Sometimes we like to pick and choose the parts of the Bible we like and the parts we don't like, we just kind of push that aside. Can I tell you the, the whole counsel of God is what we need. The whole counsel of God is what we are to follow. We are to have a great fear, a great respect, to have a reverence for the things of God. I believe in our attitude. Uh, again, I'm not saying, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that when you walk into church and you walk into the auditorium that you got to tiptoe. As a matter of fact, I think the opposite. I think church ought to be a happy place. I think it ought to be a joyful place. I love it when I see people laughing. I see people smiling. I love it during the song service when I see people rejoicing. I love that. But can I tell you, when we come to church, this is not a game. When we come to church, we're not playing around. We're not messing around. Maybe for some, maybe you're, you've not been in this church a long time, or maybe you've been in other churches where it was all just a big show. I got news for you. That's not what we want around here. We want a church that's real and a church that's genuine and a church that has the power of God. And God is not going to put his power on a church that is worldly and a church that is, is wicked. God is looking for a church that is holy. I believe in our attitude, number two, in our attention. Again, I understand in our church we've got uh, babies and toddlers and children and we've got special music and we've got all this stuff. I understand all that. And, and I'm not, you're, somebody's going to come to me afterwards and say, oh, Pastor, I'm so sorry. You must, have, you must have seen me. You know, I had to scratch my head. No, 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 that's okay. But here's what I'm talking about. When we come to church, I just believe we ought to have our attention on what the Lord wants to say. I think we ought to come to church expecting. I think we ought to come to church saying, I believe God has something for me tonight. I believe the Holy Spirit's going to speak to me tonight. I believe God's going to show me something in my life. I believe God's going to give me a promise. I believe God's going to give me something that I need to work on. I think we ought to come with attention, focused on what God has for us. As we come to church, number three, I think we ought to have great fear, great respect when it comes to our adoration, our worship of God. Friend, I want to tell you, we're not talking about our, our, our favorite food, our favorite candy. We're not talking about our favorite sport. We're not talking about our favorite team. We're not talking about our buddy at work and how, how cool that guy is. We're here to talk about and to worship and adore a holy God. A God who created the universe, the God that spoke the worlds into existence. And may we have a proper respect and a proper reverence when it comes to our worship and adoration. And then I think we need to have a proper fear when it comes to our actions. When I say our actions, I'm talking about how we serve the Lord. I tell you, I believe it's so important. And I'm not, I'm not blowing smoke. 
I'm not just making you feel good. I'm not just trying to uh, encourage you tonight so that, you know, kind of prop you up. But I believe everything that you do for the Lord is vitally important. I believe every song the choir sings, I believe it's important. I believe every baby that is taken care of in that nursery is important. I believe every time you get up in a pastor's pal or every time you stand up in a junior church or every time you get on a church bus or every time you, you get up to, uh, to, to, to do your ministry, whether it be a master club or whether it be a, a, a greeter or an usher or a soul winner or those that are watching online or listening, you can't get here, but you can pray. I believe it's all important to God. And I think it all matters. I don't believe we're just doing it just to find something to do. I don't think we're doing it just to fill time. I believe we're doing it because God's work is the greatest work in all the world. Can I tell you, for the early church, they saw that there was a great fear and a great reverence and a great respect that fell on that place. Number five, and I'm done here, we see not only the possession, the price, the pretense, the problem, but then notice number five, the program. It tells us in verse number 12, after this, you say, oh, I bet nobody came back to church after that. I bet everybody was so scared they didn't even want to set foot in that church. Well, I'm sure there were some. Probably the phonies didn't want to come back. Probably the counterfeits didn't want to come back. But can I tell you, there were some people that came back. In verse 12, it says, And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest, durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. What happened was the people actually had a respect for the apostles. They said, wow, these guys are the real deal. These guys know God. When Peter calls out Ananias and Sapphira on the spot and says, you've lied to God, and they drop dead, the people said, whoa, there's something going on over there that's real. And then verse 14, I love this. And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes, both of men and women. I think when we get back to a great fear and a great reverence of God, I don't think that the crowds dwindle. I think the crowds will grow because people are looking for something that is real. People are fed up with the phonies, People are tired of people lying to them and people that are, are, are swindling and people that are conning and people that are just trying to get something out of people that people are so hungry for something that is real. Can I tell you, you don't get any more real than the work of God done God's way. And may God help us as a church. I love this church. I believe church ought to be done a certain way. We saw that this morning. But may we have a proper fear and a proper respect for what the church should be and what God would have us to be. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.